0: Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Good morning, Cornerstone. Let's all stand and worship.
1: storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one time,
0: Sim sing that chorus one more time. Cause Jesus paid it all See you.
2: Just Thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you are a great and mighty God, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, we just pray for every person here today, thank you, God, for uh, what you're doing in each of our lives, God, that you do change everything, Lord. That I pray that in the name of Jesus that we change everything. Lord, today from your word, we change from being in your presence, God, we change from just being around people who are serving you, Lord, that we would turn our hearts to you today. Father, in Jesus' name we pray, and we give you thanks, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, you can be seated. Tell somebody good morning, and tell them, hey, man, I look good. I don't know about you, but I look good. Good morning. Right on, right on. Well, it's good to see everybody today. Amen is right. So hey, today's Pentecost Sunday. I'm not sure if anybody knows that, but it's not something we kind of maybe as much aware of. <laughs> a lot of times we read about that stuff in the Bible. And, um, we, you know, we read it one time and think, well, that's just Acts 2 and, <clears throat> you know, that's it. And, but really, Pentecost was going on long before Acts 2 ever came around. Uh, so it's a funny thing to do. I'm not going to get into all that today in depth. But, um, uh, but anyway, it is an interesting thing. Pentecost Pentecost uh, Sunday. Very interesting thing, you know, most people don't even like to talk about Pentecost, they're afraid of it, you know, afraid of what happened next too, they're afraid it might happen to them too. But, you know, to be honest with you though, those jokers, I mean, they set the world on fire. You know, could it be possible that we're afraid of a a Pentecost because we're afraid we'll have to do the same thing? (laughs) I don't know, that's just for fun. Sorry, that's just for fun. Just something to think about, why is everybody so scared of Pentecost? Why so? everybody so afraid of that? Like, oh man, those people spoke in tongues. Well, I mean, okay. I'm going to talk to you today about some stuff in Daniel that's very interesting, about transformation. And it's a funny thing is, we're we're almost afraid of the transformation of what the Holy Spirit would do in our lives, but we're more comfortable with what the world can do in our lives. We're okay if they transform us into their image, but the moment we start talking about the Holy Spirit or God and want to do something in our hearts, all of a sudden it's well, I don't want to get, you know, too fanatical. Some of them Christians, they're fanaticals, you know. And I want to say, well, I know it's been a year since we've been to a ball game, but have you ever sat in the stands? I mean, Georgia fans aren't like this, but them Alabama fans are crazy. Have you ever seen them? <laughs> We're all crazy in the fan in the stands, right? So Today I we'll want to talk a little bit about, about Daniel, and one thing I want to share with you before getting into that, so just to be thinking about that, Pentecost, and, and what happened next too. But hey, so next Sunday we think, we're pretty sure, we're pretty confident on this, next Sunday we're going to do a walk-through. Steve, is that still true? We still good for that walk-through next Sunday? Yes, sir! Yes, sir, baby, all right. We're going to walk-through after church next Sunday in the kids' building so you get the chance to see it. We got all the tech up, we got all the walls done, uh, art's going on the walls now, carpet's down. Um, rooms are set up. It's really, really cool, man. Kids are going to love it. They're going to love it. Uh, what we could use, though, is still some more people plugging and helping us out. I mean, really, it's we want everybody to be able to rotate and do that kind of thing. And I can't think of anything better you could do to, to transform a child's thinking into the image of God than, than to allow the world around them to constantly pour it into them. So if you could help us out with that, go to kids.cornerstoneroom.com. We still need some more people to help out with that um, so we can fully open everything. And uh, and be a part of that. So next Sunday after church, you do a walkthrough, okay? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We have a good time with you guys. So today we're talking about Daniel. So if you want to look in your on your sheets there on the table, there's some handouts. There's things there for you. But Daniel, some of us in Spanish, some of us in English. Because we are a bilingual church, we have a Spanish campus that comes up afterwards. So if you're looking and you're going, why is this in Spanish? That's because we have Spanish-speaking people in our congregation. So we make it available to, to both. I mean, in, if you know Spanglish, it ain't going to make sense. But so Spanglish, that's like Georgia, you know what I mean? Anyway, so Daniel, very interesting book of the Bible. So when I was in high school, it started in junior high. I noticed something that happened in junior high, um, and remember Pentecost, okay? Just keep remembering that, back your mind, think about that. But in junior high, something begins to happen when you're a junior high student is people begin to start trying to tell you what you should be. you don't know, if you, Some of you guys are a little closer to that time period. Some of us are a little bit further away. Some of y'all are way far away. You're like, we didn't even have junior high. <laughs> like, I got you, I got you. It's all right. But In junior high school, there comes a point in time where you begin to hear these things of what people think you ought to be. And some people are very helpful with it. Some are teachers and parents and other people who say, hey, well, maybe you should do this. You seem like you like this. Maybe you should think about this as a career. Maybe What are you going to do with your life? And they start trying to mold you and shape you into something. And then some people try and tell you what you shouldn't be. And it gets very dangerous because if you have something in your heart that you feel called or led to or you're drawn to, and then people say, oh, no, that's no good for you. You can't make a living with that. You've got to be careful with that because you can shift a child's direction, and they miss something great just because we think, well, there's no money in that. I mean, there's a couple of things I've looked at and thought, I can't believe people can make money in that, but they do. I mean, you know, just think about some things that have, you know, came about in the last 10, you know, years or so. Who would have ever thought, you know, that like apps, you know, playing video games would have made money. There's people making millions playing video games. I'm not advocating that you play video games all day long. I'm just saying, maybe you can figure out what is that that they like and and try to help them figure out what is it that God wired them for that's coming out in video games or coming out in design or coming out in whatever. It's so easy sometimes when you're a junior high student or a high school student for people to say, hey, you... You should I got you, brother. I got you. I see that hand. I got you. I got you, man. I got you. I'm not. Young man back there is like, I play video games. That's awesome. Thank you very much. So, it's, but it's easy to, to shift a, a, a track that maybe a kid has a desire for. And we say, well, that's not important. And then all of a sudden they think it's not important. They they let it go. And I'm not saying it's exactly that. I'm saying God could be leading them in something. Now, good meaning, well-meaning people do it all the time. There's another group of people that try to tell you who you are in junior high and high school, and they're not, you know, maybe not the best friends. They're maybe not the best influences. There's uh, different entertainment. There's different things in the world that try to tell you you should be this to fit in. And so all these voices are out there trying to tell you this is what you ought to be. This is what you ought to be. And and it's a very tough time. If you're out of that age range for a... you need to think about it. It's a very difficult time when kids are trying to figure out who they are. And I remember hearing all these voices. My friends would tell me. I remember in school, and uh, it was in, went to ninth grade in high school. I wanted to play jazz, okay? I played a saxophone all throughout middle school. I wanted to play jazz music, right? I couldn't wait to get to high school. I thought, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do it, baby. Like, I mean, I was so excited. Some guys were playing stuff. There was some, you know, guys playing the drums. We, we was all ready to roll, man. Get to ninth grade, and the teacher says, you can't play jazz. Why not? I'm good enough. Like, I'm better. I mean, I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying, I know I'm good enough. Why? Because you want march. I said, what's a march have to do with a jazz band? Have you ever seen Stanley Turrentine marching in a marching band? No. You just Google that. He's the man. Have you ever, ever? No, he never did that. Why do I have to march? Because that's what we do. I don't want to march. I don't want to put that I'm not picking if you did. I'm not just, I'm just for me. I couldn't, I I can play drums, but I can't dance. I don't understand why. I wish I could. If I could dance, I would. People who can dance and don't dance, I don't understand what's wrong with you. I think it's the coolest thing ever to watch. People who can really dance, I'm like, I'm I'm watching them go like, I wish I could do that. I don't understand why. I can play drums, but I can't dance. My thought was I could play some music, but I can't do this while you're trying to make me play that. So I was like, I'm going to trip over my feet, knock down the clarinet people. They're going to follow the guys and get his head stuck in the tuba. It would be a train wreck. That's what was going through my mind. I don't want to march in the band. Then you can't play jazz. Well, this stinks. And on top of that, if you're going to stay in the band, you've got to march anyway. What? You mean I can't even keep playing music? No, you've got to march. But I don't want to march. That's what we do well, I see you. So I remember going to my buddy and saying, man, what am I do now? I was friends with a lot of people in school, and, and they're like, not you come play football? I'm like, <laughs> really? I mean, you know, and, and when you're in ninth grade, not even, no one's really that big, but we had a few guys that were big enough, like, man, I thought they'd hurt if they hit you, but so I thought, okay, great. So here I'm with one group of friends over here, one group of friends over here, and I got, now I got football players say, why don't you play f- football? I tried that, and I remember sitting in the in the gymnasium one day it wasn't even three weeks in i'm sitting there and all of a sudden a buddy i knew something goes down with him and a football player and now they're ready to fight i'm friends with both of them i mean they are exchanging words that sounds like a heavyweight title bout that's about to happen you know it's 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 not great ain't no one of them could fight but you're thinking it's gonna be awesome this one's over there his one buddy's holding him back he's doing this you know Oh, just let me go, let me go. And you know, it, it, that just means you can't fight. Just let me go, let me go. Just let him go and see what happens. What you afraid of? Because you know he's going to get whipped. That's why he will let him go. And the other guy, he's in football, and so he's just going to like, just come on. He's just standing there. I wish you would let him go. And I remember at the end of all this squirmish, nothing happened, whole lot of air, no lot of action, you know what I mean? They leave, and this is what happens. One girlfriend's look I'm sitting there looking, at, it and I'm friends with both. One looks at me over here and says, you going with them? I'm like, I'm not going with them. I'm I'm just standing here. They leave mad. And my buddy's on the football team. He looked at me and says, man, don't worry about it. They didn't care whether I went or they weren't interested in what I was doing. They're just like, dude, this is crazy. One wants me to pick because they're one's trying to tell me who I am as I'm supposed to be with this group. And in that season of life, you're careful, that season of life, it will form thought processes in you that make you feel like you should be what other people want you to be. And when I came to Christ, I heard something totally and completely different. I heard people tell me, God is the one that says who you are. You want to know who you are? You're going to have to figure that out by listening to God and reading his word. So my question this morning is this, do you know who you are? Are you still following a bunch of junior high kids because that's what they said you should be? Are you still trying to march in the band when you wanted to play jazz? Are you still trying to march to the step of someone else and what they told you to be because you've yet to figure out who God called you to be? Do you know who you are? Or do you allow everyone else in your life to define who you are? This is what was going on with Daniel. Not because they wanted it to be, but this is what was going on in Daniel. So as we read this, this, in the context of culture, it is so a part of our world today. If you run what is popular and you don't get too, no, don't, don't get your Christianity out there too far, we'll accept you. We're okay with you praying at the thing. You can say some prayers at the races and all that stuff. Just don't get too deep into it. So you say what well, we want you to say, we'll accept you. The moment you do anything outside of what the culture says is acceptable in Christianity, all of a sudden you're a weirdo. You're fanatic. You're, cr- Oh, you can't bring that in here. Uh-uh. no, 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 no. Don't you bring that literature in here? No, don't you talk about Jesus over here? You can't pray at the prayer at the break room. No, no, no. We're, we got HR. Uh. Oh, oh, oh. the moment you do one thing outside of what is acceptable. All of a sudden you're ostracizing. It. No, we don't, we don't want that because this world is constantly pulling in, in opposition to what God wants. And you understand this, the, the point of the culture around you in this world is this, they want to change who you are. As a believer, that's the number one goal of this world, to change who you are. No matter what God says you are or who he says you are, the culture of this world, this number one goal, is to change you from who he says you are into something completely different. And if you don't believe that, listen, you just, you, you've been having your head like down too long. COVID fog, maybe, or whatever. I don't know. You you just don't know. I'm telling you, that's what's going on. I was reading another day when, uh it's been, what, 2012, I guess it was, when the marriage, uh the thing when marriage went to the courts, they decided to redefine marriage and say, this is what marriage is, and it's not. And, and now it's just become a slippery slope since then. Now they're trying to define it again. Marriage isn't, you know, a mommy and a daddy. It It can be not just mommies and mommies and daddies and daddies, but now it can be mommies, daddies, and mommies. There's a whole other definition coming up. People are deciding, hey, if this was okay, so this is going to be okay. So culture, see, me even saying that right now makes some people nervous. God made male and female. You better settle it up right now. Either he did or he didn't. If that's uncomfortable for you, Christianity, you might as well just stop right now, go home, and enjoy this life. Because that is what is coming out. It is not about a gender thing. It is about a God thing. And if that bothers you, and it affects you, and that makes you mad on the inside, because I even said it, I'm going to say it a little bit further. Marriage is between one man and one woman. It's confusing to children. It is a man and a woman. That's what it is. And I'm going to tell you another step forward. If you, when you do it, it's supposed to be in the, with God. If you want a real marriage, the state doesn't define it. By the way, they license stuff. But it don't mean squat. It's in the eyes of God. If you really want a marriage, here's what you do. You say, are you a Christian? Yes. Are you a Christian? No, you can't get married. But I love him. He's, I mean, look at his hair. I don't care what kind of hair he's got, baby. That brother don't know Jesus. That's called being unequally. And if you do that, you're against this. And if you're against this, you're not with God. And people say, well, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. That's Bible, and that's God. And it's not hate, and it's not bigotry. That's God, and that's gospel. Now, why am I telling you that for? Am I picking a fight? No. But the culture wants to change who you are. Listen, God wants to equip who you are. He's not asking you to stand up and be some crazy Christian that's that's going out there throwing stuff at people saying, oh, you don't follow God. you No, I, don't, I minister to everybody. But if you break it down and ask me what does God say, I'm going to tell you, this is the truth. Why does this matter about Daniel? See, y'all thought I was going to get a bunch of prophecy, didn't you? You thought it was going to be prophetic and all this problem about Daniel and the revelation and the thing coming out of the sky and and all the wheel. Look, Steve did a great job last week getting into some of this stuff with Ezekiel. Daniel was like the bookmark with Ezekiel. If you didn't hear last week, you need to go back and hear last week because it's going to build on this week. But Daniel is more than just a book of Revelation. Daniel, I could break it down to show you that these men knew Jesus was coming based on some prophetic words from Daniel. It's amazing. They knew Jesus was alive when he was born. Within a three-year time span, they knew it. Now, we don't have that same kind of prophetic word from Jesus. He said, you're not going to know when he's coming back, only the Lord knows when. But they knew, and yet they rejected Christ. You know why? Because his message was unpopular. They were more comfortable with the political connections that they had. They were more comfortable with the money that they had. Instead of listening to the word of the Lord that came from Jesus Christ. They rejected Christ. You know why Jesus was so mad at the Pharisees? It's not because they didn't know who he was. It's because they knew who he was. And they rejected him. Now if you think, well I would never do that. Uh-huh. Let's just hold up. Wait a minute. Put a little thought in it. If you don't think we don't reject things that God tells us. Wrong. Wrong. We know certain things. But we just say, well, it's not popular in the culture, so we can't, can't really do that. Funny how that is. Daniel chapter one, verse one, listen to what he says. <clears throat> it says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, this was the king in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. Now watch this. The Lord gave him victory. Now, I'm going to say a few things here, but i not keep reading this. The Lord gave him victory over King Joachim of Judah, and he permitted him to take some of the sacred objects out of the temple, the gold and all this stuff you should never have touched as a priest. God permitted Nebuchadnezzar to take it out. You want to know why? Because they had rejected God for so long. God said, I'm going to permit this to happen to show you that you just cannot do whatever you want to do in life. If you're not going to follow me, if you're going to reject me, then I'm going to reject you. That's just the bottom line. And the funny thing is about this, sometimes we get so mad about what's going on in the world. And I'm just telling you, sometimes it's very frustrating what you see. But sometimes, could it be possible that the Lord has permitted some people to be able to do certain things is because he's waiting for his church and his Christian, the family of God, to turn back to him. Other nations, you realize other nations can't even understand what we're doing right now. They, they look at what we are talking about and doing, and they think, what is wrong with you? I thought y'all were Christians. That's what they say. Missionary friends overseas, they, they can't even comprehend why we have the conversations we have. Because in their minds, they say, this is what God's Word says. What is the confusion on it? It's because culture has changed us. We're more scared of Pentecost and what it would do than we are of the culture around us and what it can do. Do you realize that most people, the mo- biggest arguments I've had with people that argue with me about the Bible, most of the time, it's centered on just a few things. Tithe is the biggest one. Oh, my goodness. It's the ridiculous, most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. We're a Christian. We got worked up. Oh, it's the money. I'll tell you what to do my money. Okay, whatever. Do whatever you want to do then. Don't listen to God. <laughs> do what you want to do. That's why you're in the mess you're in now. Thank you, brother. You, no, thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So... Go to another step further then, right? So, Pentecost. I don't believe in them tongues thing. Well, I I mean, have you ever seen me get up here and just run around this stage and go on bananas? No, but I pray in tongues. Why? Because it builds me up. People are afraid of that though. Even me saying it's like, oh my goodness, what have I walked into? Well, nothing different. I mean, I guess surprise. I'm a spirit-filled believer. I guess if you didn't know it, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not hanging from a chandelier, but that don't mean that I'm not Baptized with the Spirit. But listen, what, what does that mean? People more, they get mad about that and get mad about that. And I go, why? Let me tell you why. Because this world says, don't you touch your money. That's your money. And it says, don't mess it. You get too far over in here. That's too far. Why? Because God's going to get control of your wallet and He's going to control your mouth. And those two things right now is what's the problem in our culture. Our money, we say, no, we, we don't want to give them our money. We don't give them our mouth. We'll say what we want to say. Don't you tell me what to say. It's just ridiculous. But that's because the culture has changed us, and we don't even realize it. What does the word Babylon mean? The word Babylon, you remember this from Tower of Babel, it means confusion. It means chaos. That's what it means. So when you think of the word Babylon, when Nebuchadnezzar came from Babylon, he came from a place of confusion and chaos. The Tower of Babel, you remember what happened? They were going to build this really tall tower, get as far as they could, and what did God say? Look, it can't be done. I'm not going to let you do this. You're defying me. You won't serve me so I'm going to confuse the language. So therefore that's what he did with the Tower of Babel. Confuse their language so they couldn't do it. It's still a part of that culture. understand when so Nebuchadnezzar comes in, it may look like everything's going great because he's going to overtake Israel, but it's not. It's confusion and it's chaos. It's just God is permitting it because why? The rejection of the Lord. Now this I'm, I'm, I hope this makes sense thank God in our culture, Romans chapter one verse 24. The Bible says this about, this is Paul talking to the Romans, to the church at Rome. This is what he says, because people refused to accept God. He said, so God abandoned them. It's exactly what he did with Nebuchadnezzar. He abandoned them to Nebuchadnezzar. He's doing the same thing today. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things in their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. And so they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So you don't follow the world when they try to tell you who you are or what you should be. You follow God's word. You follow God because he's the one that's always right. And don't get confused. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to move on because I can tell. It's like, oh, brother, would you get to something else? This is I'm, I'm just going to say this, and you hear what I'm telling you right now. As a Christian, you don't get a pass. Hey, just listen. In NASCAR, if you're the last guy on the lap, and you're a lap down, if, you, if you're one lap down in, in that race, what they will say is, you get the lucky dog pass. What does that mean? That just means you get your lap back if there's a caution or something goes wrong. They'll give you your lap back so you're not one lap down, but you're in last place. As a Christian, you don't get that. What do you mean, Pastor? When you look out in the world and you see people who are not Christians getting away with things and wonder why. Do not mistake that and think that as a Christian, you can get away with it too, because you can't. See, something happened when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. We don't get a pass. Well, I don't understand it. Well, that just, it's just no excuse. I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm saying you got to get your life. You know, you, we let the Lord work in your life. What I'm saying is, when the culture around you is confused and doing what they're doing, and they seem to just get away with it. Have you ever wondered why? You see it? You know, you know what I'm talking about. They're stealing left and right from the company. Everybody knows it, but they just seem to get a free pass. How come they just keep getting away? And you over here and like, you, you, you know, well, you know I, I won't give anything this way. I won't do anything. I'm, you know, God will, not. and it's like, oh man, what's wrong? You can't get away with it. You're over know, here going, like, well, man, they, they seem to get away with everything over here. Nothing affects them. They, they say what they want to say, do what they want to do. Nothing happens to them. You say, you open your mouth the wrong way one time. One time. And all of a sudden, it's like, what? It's not fair. Let me tell you why. They're not a believer. God holds us to a standard. And He says, I put my spirit within you. When I gave my spirit on Pentecost, and I put my spirit within you when you became a Christian. I have empowered you to be something more than what you think you are. And it doesn't mean that God's going to like slap you around. He's just saying, hey, look, if you want to go that way, my hands are off. And he'll do it every single time. So we're not going to follow the world. So as we get into this a little bit with Daniel, okay, we're going to follow God. So what is this culture trying to do around you? This is in Daniel. Everything in here I'm about to tell you is in Daniel. So the first thing that they're going to try to do, and this is what's happening around you right now, they're going to try to train you in their ways. Okay, so let me read you a scripture from Daniel, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring the palace. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He ordered his chief of staff to bring in the palace some... Watch this. Who's he going to bring in? What- Listen to him. What kind of men? What kind of men? Let's say it one more time. What kind of men? Yeah. You know why? Because older people, you're not going to shake that tree. Don't mess with older people. Have you noticed? I mean, there comes a point where... It's like okay, you know whatever, but they get to a certain point where old you know when they're older, meaning like they're you don't mess with them. You're not gonna mess with a grandma. You gonna tell her she's you tell her something different than what she knows. But the Bible says she's like, honey, <laughs> that's foolish. She'll tell you straight up, you're crazy. I'm gonna pray for you because you're wrong. They don't care. They'll tell you you're wrong. they and they won't sleep. They won't lose a wink of sleep over it. They'll tell you you're wrong. They'll tell you they don't care. You ain't going to tell them what, because why? Because they've got, they've set in something that's, that they have experience that tells them something greater. Young people don't get mad, but why do they pick young people? Because we, myself, we, we, because they, we, we still formative in our beliefs. Have you ever wondered why a child is so easy to train? Now, they're all in here, so I want to be careful. But around the holidays, isn't it funny how much faith is in SC? Think about that for a moment. About the Easter bunny. You know, tooth fairies and all that stuff. But the moment you bring Jesus to the table in that kind of belief system, people start questioning it. Well, I mean, you know, because you know. when you're younger, you can form a belief easier. So he brought in these young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who've been brought to Babylon as captives. Watch what he said. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. He said, make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Watch what he says. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Confusion and chaos. What I mean by training, so let me just throw it out to you, and then you digest it and do what you want to with it, okay? But uh, and I'm not picking when I say this, but I'm going to say it. the The issues are going on with training right now. Predominantly, where does your training come from for a child? Should be your parents. <laughs> that that's a great answer. That's a wonderful answer. I'm so glad I heard that. That is exactly right. The training should come from parents. That's why the Bible tells us train up a child in the way that should go, and when he gets old, he won't won't depart from it, right? But the problem is this today, culture's doing this, but I'm telling you, as Christians, this is what you gotta watch for. Culture's saying, let's just allow education to train our children. Not picking on teachers, not picking on organizations. I'm saying when you do that, have you checked to see what's being taught? Do you know what that professor's teaching your child have you have you even questioned what reading material they got? They got in the sixth grade, fourth grade, third grade. Well, I mean, you know, everybody else is having to do it. Oh, do you see how easy that is? Yeah, but if they don't, they're going to get an F. Well, At what point in Christianity did we say we there was no sacrifice? And where in Christianity did we I it? Well, you know, I don't want Junior to you know miss out on this because you know he can't be there because you know he was a part. He had you know his you had to be there at this Bible study, whatever, and they're saying this, and then he's saying he can't do his Bible study anymore. Really? Because it's offending people. Oh, the little cupcakes. You know, offending people because the Bible. It's only offensive when we're mean with it. It's not offensive if we read the Bible and study the Bible for what it is. It's a loving word from God. And the education's wonderful. I love it, man. There's all kind of great tools in there for education. But listen, here, and we, we all don't learn, take advantage of it. But what I'm saying is this: people used to think that the Earth was flat. They did, to about six BC, I think, in the Roman era, uh, <clears throat> maybe BC six, you know, around six BC. They thought the world was flat. I think even we were told. Like I don't know if Columbus did or not, but it don't matter. The point is, the occult, people used to think the world's flat. And if you've been on the ocean, there's sometimes when it gets so still, and if you look out, it, the appearance is alleged. It's very weird. But people believe that. But before people thought that way, God said in Isaiah, look at this. He said, God sits above the, well, if they just read their Bible. Now, it's funny how we'll accept that. Oh, yeah, the world's round. It's round. Everything. Yeah, yeah, the world's round, and the sea, and the fish, and everything's in it, and the trees. And, all, and God created all this stuff, and we accept everything that God created, except when it comes to the things we don't like. Don't tell me who I can date. Don't tell me why I should marry. Don't tell me who I can marry. Don't tell me about my children. Don't tell me, it's like, don't tell me anything else. But oh, we'll accept the world being round. That's because we've seen it from NASA. That's why. You know. But God, he knew it first. What I'm telling you is this: just because someone says it doesn't mean it's true. Just because someone tells you something doesn't mean it's true. The Lord's word is accurate. He's you can go back and she, see it over and over and over again. Second thing they want to do is so not only they're going to train you and educate you to believe what they believe; they want to also conform you into their image. This one Daniel said in chapter one, verse eight. Daniel said he was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief if he could get something else. So God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid to. Why? Because I'm afraid if I give you this, if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths, their age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So so he's afraid of culture too. Can't stand up because why? He's afraid. So he said, listen, here's what you do. And this was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, verse 12. In case you don't know who those people are, I'm going to tell you about who those people are in a second. Verse 12. But please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and waters, Daniel said. And at the end of ten days, see how we look compared to other people. And then make your decision in light of what you see. So the attendant agreed, and he did that. And he found this, that they were more nursed than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, he only fed them vegetables instead of the food and wine provided by the others. And God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding... Every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Now, when the, the Bible, listen to this, it says, And when the time was ordered by the king, the chief of staff brought these men to the king Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked to them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Meshael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And any time the king consulted them in a matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Why am I reading all that to you? Because isn't it funny how we want to try to be like what the world says we should be, but the whole time God is saying, if you'll just lean on me, I can make you smarter. I can make you wiser. I can have you in that meeting where no one else has the right answer, and all of a sudden, boop, there it comes. Where did that come from? And you can't sit back and be like, well, you know, I was like, you know. No, I don't know. I was just thinking about this. What if we did this? See, we think the culture around us, because they want to make us like them, we think they have the answers, but they don't. They don't. The Holy Spirit is the one that still prompts and gives wisdom. He's the one that still shows you things and gives you ideas and inspiration. It's coming from the Holy Spirit, not from a bunch of charts and, 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 and things that you study. I guarantee you, my kids are in all kinds of stuff studying, and I'll think, you know, I know I studied that when I was in school. They ask me, Dad, what about this? And I go, you know, I, I, you know I'd love to answer that for you, but you're going to have to ask your mom. Because I know I studied this, but I don't remember any of it. Which tells me, be careful what you fill your mind with. And don't let this culture change you. Listen to what Romans says. This is Paul again. He says, Romans 12, 2. He says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Just, here's the thing, man. Listen. Just follow Jesus. Don't try and make everybody follow you, because they're not going to. You, You know, if we're not different, and I don't mean weird, I'm just saying, if we're not a little bit different, if they don't see a difference between us and them, what does that tell us? It's like the frog in the pot of water and you turn it up, man. We just look just like them. And then when they're in trouble and chaos and problems do happen because it's Babylonian, if you will, then they look to us and go, well, you can't help because you're just like me. We're supposed to have an answer. A reason for why we believe what we believe. They were 10 times wiser. I mean, does anybody else could use a little more wisdom? Man, I know I could. Ten times? Wow. I mean, you can't get enough like ginseng to help you with that, man. You know, you need that's that's pretty amazing because it came from the Holy Spirit. The last thing I'm to share with this and and this one, like, we'll see how it goes, okay? The culture, what they want to do now is they want to identify you. Big word, big word now. Big word. They want to identify you. In other words, what that means is we're going to help you figure out what you are. You get to pick. We'll give you a list of things you can choose from. But you pick whatever you want to be. You identify with that. That's what you can be. The problem with that is. First of all. It's not godly. Second of all. God says who you are. It's clear. But the culture wants to identify you. So in Daniel 1.6. Listen to what happened. In Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Were four of the young men chosen. All from the tribe of Judah. And the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Now watch this. Here's their names. I'll put them on the screen so you can see them. You've probably heard these individuals as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are Babylonian names. You want to see something funny? Isn't it funny those are the three names that we use all the time? Because the culture accepts even those names. They don't even accept the biblical names. We're so familiar. You ask anybody, have you ever heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Oh, yeah, them guys in the fire. Yeah, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, they're cool. If you ask them, what's their names? Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. We don't even use the names. Why? Because even that's not acceptable. And you want to know why? Look at what they mean. I'm going to give you these so you can understand. This. this is what Daniel's name means. Watch this. It means God is my judge. And it's a male word. It's not, and I'm saying that on purpose. There are male and female, you know, in languages, there are male and female, you know, in certain languages that break it down for us. I don't know what we're going to do with that, you know, going forward, but that's the, that's a fact. There are male and female plants. I mean, there, you know, anyway, it, it gets weird. This is why I'm saying it gets weird. If you live on a farm, there are male and female animals, and they're not confused. I, I look at, I was in mechanical work, okay? What I mean by that, in trades, plumbing. There are male and female fittings. You can't make it go any other way. Ask a plumber. Ask him, tell him, give him a box of male fittings and says, hey, make that work. He'll go, I need fittings. Male and female for this to work. Now, I'm not being mean when I say that, but it's confusing kids and it's confusing people. And we better be straight up with them and say, this is what it is. Don't be confused by this. Don't be mean, but don't be confused. Daniel means God is my ma- he means God is my judge. It's a male form. Listen to what they changed to. Belteshazzar. It means Lady, protect my king. Changed it from the male standpoint, gave him a female name. And we we'll identify him. Listen to what this is the one we call Shadrach. Hananiah, it means Jehovah is gracious. They changed his name to the command of Aku. Aku was a moon god. Very dictator type thing. Couldn't couldn't you know you couldn't ever achieve into this stuff. And people, and people, this is what's funny. People say things like, well, God's so difficult. His word's so hard. It's so legalistic and everything else. Let me just say, a train runs best when it's on a track. Every train I've been on, the best train it was, was when it was on the track. If it gets off the track, I don't want to be on that train. It's a mess. God is not legalistic. He makes a smooth ride if we keep the train on the track. Think about Meshach. This one we call Meshach. Or his name was actually Mishael. Who is like our God? They changed his name to, Who is like Aku? The other young man, Azariah, his name was Jehovah is my helper, and Abednego is his new name, Slave of Nebo. See, the culture wants to identify you with what they're comfortable with says no, no 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 i don't like your name your name oh uh, no 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 god you're just no 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 that's too he's too harsh let's change it to a feminine thing because she's sweeter and then we'll be you know that's the easier way to accept that no 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 god's not the only god there's multiple ways to jesus no there's not there's only one it's not popular but jesus christ is the only one that's ever given his life shed his blood for the sacrifice of humanity prophet of you know Muhammad did not do it Gandhi did not do it nothing in the Buddhist religion did it no one else on earth has ever shed their blood for humanity not in this case not for their faith the last thing I'll say is this when you see who's like our God man that's a that's a words that every time someone taught these Hebrew boys about like, Mishael, yes who's like our God that's right instead now when they talk to him meshach who's like aku Hey, who's like Aku? There's no power in that. When you think about these words, you would say, "Jehovah's my helper." Man, he's he's got me. He's more than enough. He he takes care of me. He's my provider. Those are encouraging and exciting words that you go, "Yes, he's my God." But when you break that down and start saying you're the slave of Nebo, you start walking like this a little more, because God doesn't have slaves. He's got sons and daughters. But if you buy into this culture, they'll make you a servant to whatever they sell. And if they can remove your identification with God, watch this, they will remove your relationship with God. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. You can say, well, you know, Pastor Jody, I I don't know if I see it that way exactly. I'm telling you, you're already sliding down right now. You don't even know him. Now contrast all that I just showed you from culture. Now watch this. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it's the 50th day. It means when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the word penta is five. Okay, penta, it means five. <clears throat> On the day of Pentecost, when the day, the 50th day had finally come, they were all up in the upper room, just hanging out, eating some matzah. I don't know, They're just hanging out. Probably had an acoustic guitar just sitting around, hiding up in the upper room, man, because they're scared. Jesus is gone. They're talking about killing them. They're up there with the acoustic guitars. Y'all, be going, don't sing too loud now. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says that he comes in like a rushing mighty wind. and feels all that are sitting there. Now, did any of them have a theological dissertation on tongues or no tongues? Question. Good question, right? Anybody. Did there? Did they not? Was anybody forewarned of that? I know there's some things in Isaiah, but was anyone warned of that? No. No one said, "Hey, Peter, hold on." Now. Uh, you know, before we get into this, hey, hold up! Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. What are you doing? <laughs> like, wait, no, they because you know why? Because it wasn't. There was nothing about that. Jesus said, "When the Holy Spirit comes," this is what Jesus said. When He comes, He will. <laughs> you will be baptized, if you will, in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. That's what He says. Read it. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—all four Gospels. The point is this: when they comes, so what, what happened? Peter was a backsliding, you know, fighter, and all of a sudden he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He's one of the first ones out the door, kicking over stuff out there, starts preaching the gospel. Thousands are saved. You look at people like Stephen. This guy later on, man. Gives his life for the declaration of the gospel. He is killed in the middle of the streets. Why? Because there's something in him greater than just a religion. When the Holy Spirit came, watch this, he transformed them. And they became men and women who shook the world that they lived in. And yet we don't want to talk about it because we're afraid uh, one or two things in that scripture. But yet the culture is constantly changing us. Constantly forming us into their image. And we just accept it. And we say it's okay. But I'm telling you, maybe what we need is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts in a way again that we can stand up more for Christ I'm not talking about being rude or mean or crazy people hanging from chandeliers running around church throwing stuff not talking about that crazy stuff I'm just saying the reality is this if we're filled with him wouldn't it be better for people in our city absolutely so I'm going to pray right now and what I want to do I want you just to take a moment right there where you're sitting and you know maybe you're here today and you say man I think the culture is it's affecting me I, I want to just say first of all I know it is it's affecting all of us and if you act like, you know, it's not affecting me and all, I'm immune, you're crazy. It's everywhere you turn, it's affecting you. So I want to pray for you right now. And I just want you to turn your heart to God and, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. So I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you just close your eyes and just for a moment right here before we leave. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for, for your goodness and for your mercy, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word that tells us and declares us. You said that when the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll lead and guide us in all truth. He'll... Reveal things to us. He'll show us things to come. He'll remind us of all the things that you have taught us. And I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is not weird, crazy, or flaky. But the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that we're sitting here today on the day of Pentecost. On the 50th day. And I ask you, God, to speak to hearts that are in this room, Lord. We admit, God, we just come to you right now to admit, Lord, the culture is affecting all of us. Lord, there's times we don't even know what we can say or what we can't say. It's affecting our kids. It's affecting our families. So, Father, in the Jesus' name, I ask you that you would fill us afresh and anew with your Spirit. I pray that you would fill our hearts with your Spirit, Lord, and that you would help, help us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch the hearts of every person that's here, that they would let go of religious thinking or <clears throat> maybe some false theology that's told them things like they should stay away from the Holy Spirit. But God, they would open up their hearts to you, Lord, for everything that you want to give them, for every gift you want to give them, for every uh, um, uh, grace gift that you want to give them, for everything that you want to do in their life. I pray they open their heart to you. If there's somebody that's been hurt before because someone tried to force a gift on them or tried to tell them something they should be and they shouldn't be, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd release all of those things today. Remove that condemnation off their life, remove that shame off their life, remove that fear off their life, And, Lord, I pray you'd open our hearts to hear from you, Holy Spirit, to hear from you. And, Lord, I pray today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray today that they would pray this prayer in Jesus' name. With your eyes closed just where you are, if you're at home watching or maybe listening in the car right now, if you don't know Christ, I want to pray for you right now. And just repeat this after me. The whole church is going to pray. I just want you to repeat this after me and just give your heart to Christ right now. Say, Dear Jesus... I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I pray for you to save me. Forgive me. In the name of Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right? Church, give me a hand, would you? So proud of you. Hey, listen, before we go... um, Uh, If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to connect with you. Connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you're watching online as well, connect.cornerstonerome.com. We'd love to get you started walking with God, give you some discipleship material. If you have questions about the Holy Spirit, if you have questions that you're saying, hey man, I would like to know more about this and I've been misunderstood about some things, this and that and the other. um, If you let us know on that as well, we can arrange for maybe some time to to share and talk with you about those things as well. Um, Just want to help you in your walk. You know, don't allow the world to to confuse you about this. Shouldn't be confused. God's not author of confusion, by the way. He's just not. If it's confusing, it's not God. If it's not it's God's not the author of confusion. He's not. He's as clear as crystal. So before we go today, let me speak this over you before we leave Numbers chapter six and verse twenty-four. The scriptures say, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, man. That is our prayer for you. God bless you guys so much. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week.
0: If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.